Good morning. Uh, for those of you who uh, have not met me, my name is Richard. I'm one of the pastors here. Oh, I got a cheering crowd. That's great. Never had that happen in a sermon. Um, I'm really glad to be here uh, this morning with y'all. And uh, just a couple quick announcements. Um, for those of you who are new, uh, you would probably want to know that the table exists to call authentic and thoughtful followers of Jesus. We want to do that by creating spaces so you can grow in community, discover your purpose, and make a difference in the world. And one way that we help you do that is that we have this amazing thing after service called Discover Your Purpose, which is part of our Next Steps track. Discover Your Purpose is a class that helps you learn more about your personality and spiritual gifts and prepares you to serve God and others in your community. Honestly, it's everyone's favorite class, so if you're going to choose one of them, this is the one to go to. Uh, it meets right in the conference room, which if you go down this hall and take a right and then take a left, it sounds complicated, but people will help you. Uh, don't pass the kids' area. Um, and that'll be, again, immediately after service. The second thing is that next week, uh, we will start a series that follows our series on practicing the way of Jesus uh, that will focus on the Holy Spirit. So we'll dive into the Holy Spirit's function in our lives and the life of our church. Uh, this week, y'all are stuck with me. Um, so I grew up being told that God would never give me anything I couldn't handle. How many of you heard that in some form or another when you grew up? Okay. So I believed it. So for much of my adult life, young adult life mostly, I prayed fervently that God would keep my faith weak so that I wouldn't have to deal with any challenges. In case you're curious, it didn't work. So why do I share this? Last week, we had an opportunity as a community to celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus. And Pastor Kevin helped us understand the redemptive nature of the other side of redemption, or of resurrection, and the transformative power of the cross to change dreadful stories into powerful statements. Pastor Kevin also challenged us to understand our scars as part of our resurrection. But the message that weighs on my heart, the one that I feel God is calling me to share with you, is a message that requires us to wade into the messiness of the gospel. Reverberating through my mind over the past couple weeks has been two thoughts. One, even with the resurrection, the cross still sucks. And it takes time to heal wounds and to scars. And so I want to take us back a little bit, because while we rest in the hope that is seen in the resurrection, it is also important to acknowledge the rest of the story. There is the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and then Jesus' bodily appearance where he bears his scars. The story of God provides space for hurting, healing, hope, and wholeness. And sometimes, the reality is we live in a moment of the cross. And while we are promised in Christ the redemption that comes on the other side of resurrection, the experience of the cross still hurts. To be honest, this is probably one of the hardest sermons I've ever written. Partly because when I started writing, I realized I had about four hours of things and that I'm not T.D. Jakes, so no one will stay around. <laughs> The second part is that I feel like every statement has a caveat that could be some other sermon. So I'm going to ask that y'all give me some grace as we engage this morning together, and I promise I won't take nearly that long. And in spite of the fact that I could have written a much easier sermon, this topic seemed important, 
mostly because I spend a lot of time meeting people over coffee and lunch. Enough time to understand that a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people are healing. And too often people seem to feel that the gospel doesn't make room for that. That somehow if we believe in God enough, all the pain should go away. And if it hasn't, it must be something we've done. We feel like the whole story is no longer there. That hurting and healing were never part of the story in the first place. So lesson one for today. Painful experiences happen. And in fact, it is okay, and I would argue Christ-like, to acknowledge when we're hurting. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? According to the Gospel of Mark, these are the last words of Jesus hanging on the cross. And the night he was betrayed, the Gospel of Matthew records Jesus going to a place to pray. In Matthew 26, 37, we read that Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is our model. Right? This is the person we are attempting to emulate. Right? So Kevin made fun of me a couple weeks ago to say I wear my what would Jesus do bracelet. I actually didn't have it on that day, but I made sure to get a new one because I wanted to make sure if he's making fun of me, it's accurate. But the reason why I wear a what would Jesus do bracelet, even though they went out of fashion probably in 1996, is because it reminds me of the person that I'm meant to emulate, right? And I'm meant to emulate a person that sits there and tells his friend, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Yet somehow the reality of the real pain of this world is covered up by pithy Christian bumper stickers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Right? Like when you're going through a tragedy, right? You lose a job a home, a loved one, and someone's response is something like, God's plan is always best. Now, maybe y'all are better Christ followers than me, but I have to admit my first guttural PG-13 edited response is something along the lines of, God's plan is broken then. Or when you're struggling through something and then told to pray harder. Now, if you, unless you've been praying with me, you have no ability to judge how hard I've prayed, nor to imply that for some reason it's my prayer life that is putting me in the situation I'm in. And I'm not even saying these things are necessarily theologically incorrect all the time, just often very poorly timed and far too simplistic for such a complicated reality that we live in. Instead of pithy, upbeat statements, we're given a Bible that is replete with stories of people, people of strong faith Jesus included, that struggled. And just because there might be a promise afterwards doesn't make the cross hurt less. I'll say that again. Just because there might be a promise afterwards doesn't make the cross hurt less. Even more challenging is that often in our moments of greatest hurt are when those we trust fail us most. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Jesus spent a lot of time with a ragtag band of 12 disciples. These were his closest confidants, the people he trusted. But in the end, they abandoned him. 
Never mind that Judas, one of the 12, betrayed Jesus to lead him to his death. Even Peter, brave Peter, that said he would never abandon Jesus, denied him three times. The Bible tells us that all of the disciples scattered. And so while it is essential that we anchor our understanding of our present hurt in the hope that God brings, that alone is not sufficient. We must also be prepared to navigate the moment that feels hopeless. Because just wait, it gets better, just doesn't work. So my first point, it is okay, in fact it is Christ-like, to acknowledge that you are hurting, to acknowledge that you are sad, scared, to acknowledge that you are filled with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus did it. So the false gospel of surface happiness, that at least I was raised on, is shattered when we look at the real life lived by Jesus. Our faith and trust and hope all have to be strong enough to acknowledge that pain and suffering exists. And the pain and suffering exists not because of our actions, but because of the reality of a broken world that breeds injustice, oppression, and harm. We need to be a church that can be comfortable with these moments. And instead of offering pithy sentences that write off reality, we need to be a community that creates real space and accompaniment when people are suffering. We can't erase vital parts of living like Jesus. And I don't mean to knock these pithy statements too much, and I know some of us may have grown up with them. And there's nothing bad about acknowledging that we don't know the ways of God fully, or that God's plan is better than ours, or that there is something better promised. But these statements don't wrestle with the real feelings of pain in our lives. And part of that is when we hear people express hurt, we don't often know what to do. And in spite of not knowing what to do, in spite of our ignorance, we somehow then want to fix it. But Jesus modeled what hurting in a community can look like. And if we return to the passage in Matthew, we'll again read it. It says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is modeling how we can involve community when we're hurting. And from that, we learn three things we can do when we hurt. The first is to acknowledge to someone that we are hurting. Just about 15 minutes ago, y'all did a meet and greet, right? If you said, hey, how you doing? And someone said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. <laughs> I hope your response would not be, oh, my day's been good. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hope you come back next Sunday, right? For some of you, it may, you may be like, I don't, I don't really know how to respond. Um, but the point is, is that we, and Jesus right here, right, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's not sugarcoating anything. I'm sure his three people are like, uh, what do we do with that information, right? Jesus, the person we're following, is saying that he's so sad, he's to the point of death. How do we, how do, we do that? Right, but the first step is to acknowledge. Jesus demonstrated acknowledging to someone that we are hurting. What's equally interesting is he doesn't ask them to do anything about it. Right, so that second thing is that we have to acknowledge internally or externally that they can't fix it for you. Right, Jesus was not looking for his disciples to fix it. And in fact, 
If you are familiar with the story, you know that Peter sort of tries to fix it later when he draws his sword, right? Peter, always showing up. And he tries to stop the impending death of Jesus, and Jesus reprimands him for it. He says, no, that's not, I don't want you to try and fix my hurt. I want you to acknowledge it. And so the third point, and this is interesting, Jesus does ask them to stay here and keep watch with me. He is asking specifically about the ways he wants to be accompanied. And so what's important about that is that when we go through hurt, when we're going through healing, we might need different things, right? You might want a hug. You might want no one to touch you, right? You might need someone to sit there in silence. I am very good at that. If you need a gift basket, Jess is very good at that. Um, you might need different things. And the important thing is feeling uh, able to acknowledge that this is what I need. Jesus said, I need you to, to stay here and keep watch with me. Again, if you're familiar with the story, they end up falling asleep, and Jesus is again upset. But the story of the, the, the disciples is often one that makes me feel good about my life. So um, they mess up a lot. So the other side of that is three things we can do to be more supportive as a community. And the first is to acknowledge that someone is hurting probably with good intent, often when we hear someone hurting, we want to fix it. And in trying to do that because we don't know what we're doing, we often minimize it. We say, well, at least it's not blank, or, oh, like, that'll probably be over soon, or a variety of things. But all you have to do is say, oh, I hear that you're hurting. Just acknowledge it. And part of that is being released from the idea that you have to fix it. So acknowledging yourself that you can't fix it for them is important. That's God's work, not your work. Right? You're meant to, to be a community to them. And so the third thing is to offer to accompany the person in a way that they want to be accompanied. Right? How can I walk with you? The point is, is that moments on the cross are part of the story of Jesus. Right? These moments of hurting are part of our community. And we as a community need to get better about walking with people when they're there. So now these moments of hurt, these moments on the cross, leave scars. And while there are hundreds of sermons about doubting Thomas, rarely do people focus on what Pastor Kevin did last week, the fact that Jesus kept his scars from the cross. Now, we understand God to be all-powerful. And certainly if God can resurrect, God could have healed a few scars. He could have returned his body unblemished, but God didn't. And when God doesn't do something like that, there's probably a reason. So God, incarnate in Jesus, kept them and showed them to his disciples that they could believe. He had a purpose for his scars. But before scars exist, we have open wounds. And wounds take time to become scars. Now, who here has had a pretty bad physical wound? Okay, a couple of you. Now, there's pretty much two options when that happens. The first is you can pick at it or irritate it, and that often leads to infection or expanding the area or a worse scar altogether, right? Yeah, Jess's face is telling me that's a bad idea, and Jess is right. Yet, often, we do this with our harms, our internal harms. We internalize, we dwell. We allow it to infect the way we view ourselves, we let someone else's words determine our value and worth in front of God. We let our wounds fester. The other option, of course, is to care for our wounds, to work to heal it as it heals itself. We place bandages. We wash it. We are careful about doing things that might aggravate the wound. 
There's this moment captured in the Gospel of John of Jesus' ministry. Now, the full text will be up there so you can check that it's actually in the Bible. But effectively, what this story is, is Jesus comes across a man lying there um, who'd been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Now there's a lot packed into these several verses. Again, could be a whole nother sermon. We're going to take 30 seconds. But what I think is interesting here is that sometimes we get comfortable or at the very less acquiesce to our wounds festering. And so I find it curious that Jesus asked, do you want to get well? The man didn't respond yes. He responded with an excuse. He responded with why his wounds have not gotten better. And I think I mean, a very good excuse, don't get me wrong, but nonetheless, it wasn't a yes, I want to get well, it was explaining why I haven't gotten well yet, why I haven't healed. Similarly, don't we at times hold on to our hurt because either we don't want to or we don't think we are able to heal because healing's hard. We have to decide that we want to be healed because healing takes effort and requires us to do things we might not think we're ready to do. This is actually where I struggle to really comprehend the character of God, particularly shown through Jesus. Because healing requires us to do a lot of hard things. It requires us to forgive and reconcile, and it requires us to acknowledge things we may not want to, and probably most difficult, it requires us to actually believe we are worthy. It requires us to place our value in something other than what other people think of us. Now, Jesus took three days to do this. I take a lot longer. The point is that healing is going to look different for every person. But we have to acknowledge that sometimes we need time for our wounds to heal before we are ready to share them as part of God's image. But when we do give ourselves time to heal, the Gospel of John has two examples of what wholeness can look like. Now, first... Jesus does something radical in the story of Thomas. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Thomas is one of the disciples and basically um, says that he won't believe Jesus until he sees the actual star scars. And Jesus actually shows him the scars that he has. Now, here's why I think he, <laughs> Jesus does something radical in the story of Thomas, right? He, he doesn't punch him. And and think about this story. No, I, I really want you to think about this. Jesus has suffered a traumatic, multi-day beating, suffocated by hanging on a cross and literal death. And then Thomas, who pieced out with the rest of the disciples, goes ahead and is bold enough to tell Jesus, prove your scars to me. Right? And Jesus doesn't punch him. Instead, he holds his hands out and he says, look, at my scars, feel them, press on them so that you can believe and see. Now, if you know me well, I spend a lot of time really thinking about how do I take what we learned through the Bible and apply it to today? I'm an attorney. 
If you know, for a while, I largely represented domestic violence survivors and immigrants seeking humanitarian relief, like asylum. When I try and extract this to the present day, I think of the number of times I've seen survivors being asked to prove their scars. Because society demands, for some reason or another, that trauma be presented in an archetypal victim. And when it's not, it's invalid. Similarly, I reflect on moments of minimization of discrimination. Right? When someone shares a moment that they felt harmed by their race or gender or orientation or ability, and they get a response like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean it in that way, or you're just being sensitive. I think it is an act of God every time someone doesn't get punched. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a violent person. Please do not leave this being like, well, pastor said I could punch people. That's not, that's not the message. The message is this, right? And, and I guess one of the caveats that's important here, I think this also helps us think about the difference if we think about hurting, healing, hope, and wholeness, is that some of us might not be in the wholeness moment and not, might not be able to navigate this, right? Some of us might be healing. And when we're healing, moments like this open up our wounds, and so, you know, I've worked with individuals, and I can tell you, and I can see when people have processed and are whole in their trauma, and when people are healing from their trauma. And that makes that interaction very different. And then when we go back to this idea that when we are healing, acknowledging that we're there is important so that we can acknowledge that that might not be the space we can be in, right? We need to remove ourselves because we're not healed and ready to share our scars in that way. But I do think when we have healed harms into scars, we can do what Jesus did. We can show our scars knowing that they do not dictate our worth. And that can be powerful. So the second story I want to focus on is Jesus reconciling his friendship with Peter in spite of Peter abandoning him. So Peter shows up a lot because he does a lot of things. As we mentioned, he denied Jesus three times as he was sent to the cross, as one of Jesus' closest friends and a disciple, in his greatest moment, Peter abandoned Jesus. So in the Bible, we find the story where Jesus is on the shore, and after feeding people and making breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, of course, I love you, and he says, well, feed my lambs. And Jesus does this three times and reconciles with Peter, denying him three times. And, and what is crazy to me is Jesus healed a relationship that he didn't even mess up in the first place. Right? This was definitely Peter's fault. And yet Jesus, through his scars, healed a relationship. Now I'm going to ask everyone to take a moment. Um, this is the participatory part, right? So I need you to think about a time when you were hurting. That may be now. Right, right now may be a time that you are hurting, and that's valid. It might be something in the recent past that you are healing from. It might be something from long ago. It could be a hurt based on an attack on your identity. It may be an abuse at the hands of a loved one or a stranger. It may be an abuse from yourself. Maybe it's a combination of these things. Maybe you thought of the Thomases or Peters that are part of your story. When I think of one of these moments in my life, I go to 10 years ago almost today. And in many ways, that was an accumulation of many years prior. April 2008. 
when that prayer I shared at the beginning of the sermon failed me. I decided to tell a friend that I was gay. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I couldn't even say the word, so I typed into someone through Gchat. At the time, I was leading a Christian ministry on campus, and I had thought that I might go into ministry. I had good friends, and my world felt together. Instantaneously, my entire understanding of the world shattered. My dreams of being a pastor were gone, which I recognize a bit ironic in this moment, but understand in that moment, it felt real. The hardest part is I understood that no matter how good I was as a child, my family would disown me. I understood and that I didn't know whether my roommates would allow me to live with them anymore. Every friendship, every relationship would potentially change because I felt I was too weak to repress myself any longer. Most important, I was admitting to the world something that many believed excluded me from the kingdom of God, something that for a long time I believed the same about. Thus ensued months of trying to explain my decision to different Christian leaders. I spent hours per person explaining the theological underpinnings of my decision, for some reason also apologizing for my existence at the same time. It was a race against the clock to tell people and frame the issue before others knew about the secret I held so quiet so long. But then September 24th, 2008 came. I know this because I sent a very long email on that day. It's one of like two in my life. That was the day I just couldn't do it any longer. After a few days of really challenging conversations, one where someone asked me how I could be doing this to them, as if I had somehow decided to destroy my life as I knew it in order to upset them, another that asked me to stop talking about the issue because it would cause bad press. People that were once close friends wouldn't return my texts or calls. I never felt so isolated. So I broke down, and I spent the entire day sobbing. And I will tell you, I'm not one of those pretty criers you see in the movies. No, I was an absolute mess. So if you're one of those people and need someone to sit there, I'm there. I got you. Amen. But I went through every emotion that day. I went through anger at others, at me, at God. I went through deep sorrow. I felt worthless. Then I felt indignant at injustice. I remember crying out to God and saying, well, you got this one wrong. And it, what's crazy is I had spent the prior six months pretending it was all okay. I was in conversation after conversation. I showed up to events. I smiled. I told others that I was fine. I allowed myself to run on pithy Christian bumper stickers because that's all I knew. I had conceived of the reality that only hope and wholeness existed, and if I wasn't at least pretending to be over there, I somehow wasn't being a good Christian. It was only when I was able to acknowledge my hurting that I was able to begin to heal. And that actually took time away from community. Now, I get Jesus could do it in a few days. It took me two years. We're on different levels but I couldn't heal in a space that hurt. I stopped attending church. I saw friends disappear. Interactions on campus became honestly a bit awkward. I prayed a lot. I stayed angry probably a little too long. 
And I had to spend a lot of time rediscovering worth. I'm now on the other side of resurrection. Right? It's part of why I can share this part of my story with you all today. In fact, the same group that caused me so much hurt is actually one of the groups I partner with most closely in my work as a missionary in South Africa. That's a whole other story I'm glad to share. Um, at some point, I'm glad to. We'll grab coffee. But the point is, is that living in the wholeness colors my memory of the hurt and healing. But I am confident that if you told me it gets better on September 24th, 2008, you would not have garnered a very positive response. In fact, if you had told me in that moment that this would be the sermon I'd be giving 10 years from that moment, I would have called BS. After spending a couple years hurting and healing, I then began to feel like I failed God for needing so long to get to wholeness that somehow I should have been able to get here faster. But when I have come, what I've come to understand over the past several years is that instead of feeling shame for needing time to heal and hurt, that that's also part of God's story. The moments are equally valuable, and we can't just cut them out. So one more caveat before I wrap up. I don't believe that God wishes bad things on anyone, ever. I do believe God can redeem all bad things for his glory. Do I believe that God desired for me to experience years of damaging repression and self-hate that had convinced me that I could never be part of his image? No, that's brokenness. That's a consequence of free will, and frankly, that's also a whole nother sermon. What I can say with confidence is that when we are ready to be healed and allow the time it takes to get there, that God can use that to advance a purpose more beautiful than we could ever imagine. Now, for those of you who may have uh, stopped paying attention, I actually prepared a comic strip version of this sermon to summarize it. So if you're like me, you grew up understanding that there is only hope and wholeness, which meant you prayed a lot for protection. And when something happened, you cried out. Now, what we often do is that, as responding to it, we try and minimize it, right? We talk about the other big boulders that Jesus did prevent us from. And while that may be valid, the reality is we feel like this. <laughs> and here's the crazy thing. Right, if we return to that story that we had in Matthew, where Jesus said, my soul is filled with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus knew in four days it would be over, and yet he felt real emotion. And so Jesus meets us here. Right? And we as a community are called to meet people here because the hurting and the healing are part of the story. So even with the hope we have in the resurrection, there is pain and hurt at the cross. Transforming wounds into scars is a healing process that takes time. But our scars are beautiful and part of the intricate image of God. They can be used to advance God's purpose. Most importantly, each of these stages is part of the messy story of following Jesus. Let us pray. God, we acknowledge that each of us might be living out a different part.
part of the story. And Lord, we pray that as we live out whatever part of the story we're at, that you're living into that, Lord, that we can see your presence there because we know you live through it. Lord, we pray that regardless of of where we're at, um, that we find space and community to acknowledge the validity of that, that part of the story we're praying, Lord, that you can lead us forward in the healing that we need, that you can lead us to be a community that can love and support anyone. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.